David Posternock finally getting a uh, a David Posternock like goal. Yes, it was largely because Nick Jensen was like tripping on LSD or something in front of the net. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. That's like one of those goals where like I I honestly felt bad for the man because I just imagined being the defenseman skating back to my bench after that and like my coach just like skewering me like that would be i don't feel bad from it at all he got to stand there and watch david postenock score the best goal of the playoffs so far well i think i think maybe taylor hall's goal was better but the To the clubhouse, you know what it is. It's the Bruce and Bruins black podcast. And yellow, black and yellow, 49. black and yellow. My name is Cam Hasbrick, joined as per usual by Chris Gear. Drew Johnson is not available tonight. He is out hunting wild boars in eastern Morocco, which I don't think there's wild boars there, <laughs> but maybe there are. The voice you just heard is straight out of the bullpen. He's our goal to closer the 2018 Red Sox, Craig Kimbrell. Nick Lanciani. We're going to introduce you to him in just a sec. But first of all, I would like to just take a moment to talk to you about DraftKings. Uh, Chris, do you have the other one? Are you a diehard Boston sports fan? Well, Bruins and Bruins is sponsored by diehard Boston sports fans. They have merchandise up for grabs, including a brand new black and gold till I'm dead and cold t-shirt. Get yourself one today using promo code BRUISE at DieHardBostonSportsFans.com. That's promo code BREWS, B-R-E-W-S. You know how it's spelled because it's uh, on your phone right now while, while you're listening to this. You can just copy that and paste it um, at DieHardBostonSportsFans.com. Get yourself some some savings on that shirt. Some cool stuff. Yep. Do it one of those shirts. Was, uh, Wear it better than us, and then we'll probably advertise it for you on on our Twitter because we don't want to. Nobody wants to see us in those. Yep. We got a helicopter going by here. I don't know if he's that picking up. <laughs> a little bit. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball's playoffs, and presumably most of hockey's. DraftKings will have twenty thousand dollars in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings is free to play. Those free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to both win cash prizes and also feel the sweat. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball or hockey games, track your results throughout the evening or the afternoon or in the NHL's case when every game is going on at the same time at 7 p.m. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get a... Free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Nick Lanciani, how are you doing? We are going on to round two. You've been tracking stats. You've been a hardworking man. 
I know you're happy to get a couple days off here and watch the Penguins oh, Islanders series. There's no days chaos. off. There are no days off. Yeah, there, there are no days off because all the other games are still going on. So I'm just watching those and doing exactly what I would normally be doing during a Bruins game. But for all the other games. Yeah, sorry we had to take you away from uh, Penn's Islanders OT. It's fine. It's fine. I'm writing three recaps tonight. It's fine. Hey, it can still be going on by the time we're done with this. We don't know. Yeah, th- that was it the thing. Like, will. I was considering texting you guys and being like, hey, maybe we should wait till this game's over. And maybe the uh, the Toronto-Montreal uh, game as well. But one of those things, you never know. It could take, like, four hours. We all just want to be in our seats for the Wild and Golden Knights. Yeah. I'm, uh, to be fair, that that was a series I kind of earmarked as, like, I really want to watch this. And then kind of feels like the games have more been... More so than Edmonton and Winnipeg. Oh, God. That series, I want to be fun so much. And I want Edmonton to win so much, but... Well, last night was fun, technically speaking. Yeah, if you wanted Winnipeg to win. <laughs> or if you just enjoy the chaos that mm. happened. Yeah, I just feel bad for Connor and... and Leon, like those guys, those guys are my boys. The, uh, I, my fantasy league somehow let me have both of them in one season. Um, it's a keeper league, and I ended up having Drysidle as like my third rounder one year, and I kept him for a second rounder the next year. So I had McDavid and Drysidle. Um, and that was a fun year for me. So I watched a lot of Oilers hockey that year, and uh, it makes me so sad that whenever uh, the games are really important uh, and people are actually watching the games, uh, that they don't get to do anything. Would you say that Connor McDavid can't win the, the uh, big games? I would say that. Would you say that? Um, no, not not really. Because <laughs> when, when I look at the Oilers, I see one line that could be split into two and then not much else to the roster oh man that's kyler yamamoto yamamoto erasure he's he's good but i'm talking about like the fact that zach cassian has had such a prominent role yeah that's bad he's fine as a bottom six player but when they're like oh yeah we'll just throw him up on the first line for for the time being with mcdavid and Dreisaitl, who should be the second line center you know you kind of need the one two center punch like a Bergeron and Krejci type of lineup in today's day and age. You got Crosby and Malkin. You got Backstrom and whoever else with the Capitals. They're in the history at this point. They're in the past, right? (laughs) Um, You know, they got eliminated. I forgot all their players suddenly. But point being, you need the two lines, and we've seen it quite frequently. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Stay tuned for more content about David Krejci's rock and church. I was working on that earlier. <laughs> Courtesy of Lancey, yeah. Uh, should uh, let's, we... let's talk a little bit of beers, yeah. Uh, Chris, um, I believe you have something to say about a choice light beer, and I think uh, maybe a call to action for any uh, any folks who may enjoy this beer who are, are fans of the podcast. Yeah, so here's the thing. I just want to say, for the record, it's my favorite of the light beers. So I'm on record saying the same thing, too, if you go back hey, to our well, podcast. I'm gonna, so you, I hope I'm you're listening. put myself on record right now. Uh, hey, if, do you enjoy a fine Pilsner beer? Uh there is no, no there is Pilsner no beer. finer Pilsner beer than Miller Lite, uh, a wonderful light beer that is a fine Pilsner beer 
brewed with the and also both quality and ingredients. Uh, Goes great with, the, with the use of choice hops from the Pacific Northwest, as well as Noble Sax hops. Noble Saz? Sure. And delivers more <laughs> yeah. taste, aroma, and color with only 96 calories per 12 ounces. And, you know, as far as taste... I don't taste, think many of those are coming from the Noble Saz. Yeah, as far as taste goes, uh, it's about as good as you can get from the light beers. Nay, it's as good as you can get from the light beers. Oh, uh, he says it. And drinkability off the charts. It's uh, You can crush these all day. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, Miller Light, we want you to you know become the official light beer of Brews and Bruins podcast. But, um, you know, if, if you're not going to make that happen, then we might have to... You know, start hitting up some other places and see what's up. But yeah, we're not below. You know, <laughs> we're not below that. If you're gonna sit in Ochara, us, we'll go lose somewhere else. It's okay. I don't know if the contest is still open, but you could like live in Wisconsin <clears throat> as the mayor of Millersville or whatever they're trying to rename the area immediately surrounding the brewery. Of course, you get to drink Miller High Life, but in any case, Miller Light, Miller High Life, not a really not a wrong. not a Miller High Life guy. Um, well, not since not since that day in college. Then um, we know who the real mayor is going to be between Cam and I. It's <laughs> definitely yeah. Lancey. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Lancey, yeah. Uh, I'll go live in Wisconsin. I'll just go hang out with Bonnie. Yeah, Bear. no, I, they got some great cheese. And cheese and beer. What more do you need than that? Honestly. Well, and and so let me introduce my other beer that I'm drinking. This Road is America's the, there. This is the 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 main um, <clears throat> the main course. Uh, I have a. Duckfoot Hoppy Hollow Days, uh, definitely in season. Um, it's a hazy, juicy, with an exclamation point IPA with uh, tropical hops and citrusy aroma. It is a scant 7.9%, uh, kind of on that border of a double IPA over here. Um, oh, man. You can taste this beer. It is extremely juicy. I would uh, say it's reminds me a lot beer that of. You can extremely taste. Yes, it reminds me a lot of a maybe like orange passion fruit juice with like a you know that little bitterness at the end, reminiscent of grapefruit. I'm shaking my head yes, even though I've never had any of that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it's, the honesty. It's absolutely Citrus delicious. and I, we don't agree. Um, as far <clears throat> as drinkability, it's, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers, you would say, yeah, probably not very drinkable. But, yeah, I'm going to go with a 23. It's nice. It's pretty damn good. It's it's a stud that is a, among beers. That is a Duckfoot Hoppy Hollow Days and... A Miller Light, a <laughs> Miller Light, which is off the charts. A fine for the Pilsner beer, and I think they're a really, fine. I think they're really underselling it there. It's it's a it's a really a great Pilsner it's beer. a really great Pilsner beer. It's the Bergeron scale here, but a Miller Light might be a Wayne Gretzky. Oh, if that choice. doesn't land you sponsorship, then I should just retire. <laughs> Chris, that, I'm gonna take that, it over from your yeah, uh, that, your that orange, <laughs> your orange and passion fruit. I'm drinking a uh, Narragansett 
Narragansett, sorry, mango passion fruit. Uh, Shandy, actually. Ooh. This is uh, not a fine pilsner, but it is refreshingly different. Uh, It says it's made on honor and sold on merit, which sounds like some deep philosophical uh, shit for a beer. Uh, Oh, yeah. Narragansett, classic Rhode Island beer. Yeah, so we're gonna, uh, yeah, a nice, uh, nice yeah, carnival style the, can. So you feel like you're at the fair. Gansett Light could be our backup if, uh, if things go south with. Yeah, I feel like that's a big jump in just like style, but I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. So I hope you're listening, Miller. You hear that? We're not just throwing around empty threats here. We don't balk. The first Shut time I had a Gansett was in North Carolina, of course, not Rhode Island. Hell yeah. But uh, that's that's yeah. where you know. I was right North on Carolina Drive in Charlotte. For it's Narragansett yes. beer, of course. It's a bunch of bars there. It's a good time. Anyway, so my this beer, my my best. Uh, oh, well, you were done tasting it. We were gonna we we're gonna let you taste it and tell some stories between. But yeah, please continue. Oh, okay, so my my best Gansett story is uh, I was in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, with a couple of my friends for. Uh, I don't remember why we were there. I think it might have been New Year's. It was something like that. Um, and it was getting toward the end of the night. Had a, had a few adult beverages and wanted to finish off the night with, a, you know, just a, a nice smooth beer that's not too high in alcohol content. So I went up to the bar with my buddy Matt and I was like, hey, can I get uh, two Gansets, please? Dude brings back two shots. I have no idea what they are. <laughs> it was too loud in there to like correct him. Fuck it. Like he had already walked <laughs> away. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay. So I, hand, I guess I have this now. Hand the shot to my buddy. We did the shot. It was Jameson, and spent the rest of time trying to figure out how you can mishear Gansett as Jameson. Both got an A and an E. Right, they both start with a G. No Almost the same number of letters, <laughs> except not. Yeah, got nothing for you there. Um, what so, I do have for you is... Anytime I need a shot of uh, Jameson, I always order two Gansets. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that when I see you next weekend, hopefully. Hey. For Bruce and Bruins Live, first ever. Stay tuned, folks. Still gotta figure Will there the, be uh, tickets sold, and do I need to buy one? think you can just show up it's gonna be live on drew's only fans uh <laughs> no we hey, you're already subscribing we know that this is quickly becoming Every, everybody a everybody listening is already subscribing to that yeah uh i should review this mango passion fruit shandy refreshingly different beer from narragansett how are you drinkability pretty good 21, I think a little fruity to like really crush because it would probably start to be like a little too sweet for you after a while. Um, but I mean, you know, perfect beach beer. I could definitely hammer a few of these on a nice warm day, which we've been getting here in Maine. Uh, taste pretty good. I mean, it is light and a crisp beer, but um, I mean, it's a shandy, so the, the fruitiness obviously really comes through. I'll uh, give it a good even 30 for taste. Um, good beer, though. Mango passion fruit, different. Kind of gambled on that a little bit, but paid off. I like it. Hell yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. I, of course, have resorted to the final two beers in the fridge, and uh, this one's a... Great band name. (laughs) Final two beers in the fridge, yeah. 
This one's a uh, Novocaine from Cold Harbor Brewing Company, which, of, of course, I've notoriously had on the podcast multiple times yep. in the past. <laughs> it's an 8% double IPA, and I'm, I guess, slightly concerned I've already consumed half of it, and we haven't even gotten to the 30-minute mark or whatever. We haven't gotten so, to the hockey yet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, it's great. I've given it a 37 all around before, and uh, go get yourself some available at places go to go to your local packy definitely around central mass go to your fine go to your local packy fine pilsner Uh, get some cold harbor get a a pack of miller light cold harbor and some miller light kid enjoy it that's miller light a mighty fine pilsner beer mighty fine pilsner beer i used to play nhl whatever because it was my junior and senior year of course and uh, I would consume at least a two or three Millers just for the heck of it while playing video games, mostly by myself, but occasionally with my roommate in college. <laughs> That's going to be the next commercial. <laughs> just imagine the saddest human being alive <laughs> having a few brews and Dim playing room. NHL. Selling like it's game seven, baby. Might Although there was one time, and I don't remember if we had Miller Lights involved, but we should have if we didn't. Uh, we created a world hockey tournament, and we played until like four in the morning. And Slovakia ended up winning it all. So, for the record, there you go. Miller Light and video games could actually be not as bad as you think. Especially if you're Slovakian. It could be quite good. Um, let's get into a little bit of hockey here. Back to real-life hockey. Bold idea. The Boston Bruins, the second team to stamp their ticket to the divisional finals, which Lancey knows the name of the Mass Mutual East, is that? The Mass Mutual NHL East Division. Kind of sounds rigged like the Bruins were supposed to to win that, but, you you know. know, It's all the Mass. Um, Tremendous amount of Mass. Plenty to discuss there from that first series. Uh, Lots of standouts. The first thing I want to get to is just absolutely bodying the Raskaters, because that's what we do on this podcast. Chuka Rask, by the way, parentheses, the owner of the best save percentage in playoffs in NHL history for goaltenders with a minimum of 75 games played. I hope you're listening, yeah, well, Joe. What kind of arbitrary number is 75 games played? Like, hi, who's even played 75 games? Chuka Rask, and he has a 927 save percentage in those 75-plus games. Uh, he got better and better as the series went on. I mean, I think the Game 5 win was a pretty solid team effort, but it was obviously led by Rask. Um, you look at his save percentage throughout the series. I know Lance had tweeted this out earlier uh, today or yesterday. That was today. Which would be today. yesterday or earlier yet. this week or whenever you're listening sometime in the past. Uh, if you believe in standard, you know, the space-time continuum and such. The standard so space-time continuum. We won't get into non-standard space-time oh, yeah, you know, we'll, get, we'll get back down to exactly. We'll let Einstein figure that there. stuff out. Game one, I think we can all agree, a little shaky with Rask. I don't think, I, I, you know, I don't think he had a terrible game anyway, but he didn't, he didn't steal anything. 906 save percentage. From there, flipped on the switch. 923 in game two, 946 in game three, 950 in game four, and then stopping 40 of 41, 976 save percentage. Vince McMahon meme. Game five. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's 
That's pretty ridiculous, guys. Um, Wait, I think uh, got we, we got we got to actually on Twitter. Over the we last have to week. actually do that meme because that'll that'll do numbers. Yeah, that'll do pretty well. <laughs> For the record, if you're wondering, oh, how many shots was that? Game one, 29 saves, 32 shots against. Game two, 36 saves, 39 shots against. Game three, 35 saves, 37 shots against. Game four, 19 saves, 20 shots against. And game five, you know, the big game Kaji. of the series. Kaji 40. 40 saves on 41 shots. Yeah, I mean, of course there's going to be people who are going to be oh, stupid idiots, the and they're going to say, it's game five, it's not a big game, blah, blah, blah. That's a huge game for this team for a number of reasons. Game. For starters, obviously it's an elimination game. That should be enough, but since that alone isn't enough to justify a big game for some of these people. Um, you also look at what this Penguins... Islanders series is going to do right now, and the Bruins have a lot of time to rest here and freshen up, and uh, I don't know if this will actually happen with regards to the team, but I know they haven't hit that 85% vaccination mark, so now seems like a good time for any players who may have been um, you know, wanting to maybe get that in and not have to worry about it affecting their postseason play. You're not playing for at least probably a week here, so you got time to shake that one off if they want. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just it's been such a grind for these guys, really, for the last year and change. Uh, I mean, you kind of think about on and off with COVID, but even then, obviously, it was very stressful, and a lot of the guys were uh, working in different ways to try to stay in shape. Uh, it's pretty much been pedal to the metal for a year and change with how the schedule has worked out. And uh, a couple days off here going into really when the playoffs are going to get a little more brutal over the next few weeks could be very beneficial for a team. And Ras coming in and just absolutely shutting the door, looking as good as maybe he ever has in the postseason, I would say, last night. Just so solid. Positioning was right there. Uh, at the end of the game, I know Cassidy had said that it felt like it was one of those nights where you were going to have to beat Ras clean. And I would agree the Bruins were playing good defense and, and forcing Washington to really try to beat Ras clean. And newsflash, when he's playing like that, you're not going to beat him clean. Speaking of beating Rask clean, uh, only three goals the entire series went by him without being tipped first. It's it's insane. It's pretty stupid. And I mean, the Bruins played strong D. That's that goes you know both ways. Um, I think especially you know had some question marks about maybe defense coming into this series and then with Kevin Miller not that he was necessarily playing great and I think Tenorti actually stepped in and elevated play with with third in ice time among Bruins I believe in game 5 an interjection if I may Please. people on Bruins Twitter were going off about Tenorti having a poor looking performance in game 5 and I'm not exactly sure what game they were watching I didn't see sure, there might be one or two shifts that I think were he looked like, hey, surprisingly this clearly good shows yeah. some sign of rust but he's a solid 6th, 7th defender. I think he had trouble getting the puck out of the zone is what people were watching, but at the same time... Which I expect to have a third-pairing defender. Yeah, at the same time, I don't think he was giving up any really big opportunities or anything like that. He wasn't taking big risks I also and think getting blown by. Like to me, the, he's like when Shane Knighty came in in 2011 for a couple of games in the playoffs. Don't, don't bring that, that name up character. on this podcast or else <laughs> Pete's going to magically appear. <laughs> yeah. He's going to cross you out of nowhere. But I'm um, doing that just because I'm wearing my Marvel's Championship yeah. sweatshirt, of course. That's fair. you yeah, got to brag about that on the podcast. Hey, one time Friday Night Marvel's Champ. We'll see if I can do it again. Yeah. Has there been a repeat before? Maybe you'll be the first. Who knows? There has not. There has not. 
Season yeah. two starts after the playoffs. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that you know he didn't look like stellar, and I'm not gonna be like, oh, he was the winning factor or anything like that. But I think Tenorti filled in for Miller pretty well, and I think you know breakouts are something that was kind of an issue for the Bruins for a lot of that series, especially early on. I mean, in the last two games they kind of kicked it up a little bit, but that was an issue they were having, especially in those first two games. And I don't think you know Kevin Miller, who is obviously the one he's replacing, so you're gonna kind of compare it to him. It's not like Miller was doing a great job of breaking puck out, so. I think for Tenorti to kind of slide in there, and I hope it's not going to be a weak point, and I, I, I certainly think it, it wasn't. So, you know, we're going to face more talented teams down the road and stuff, but I think um, against Washington, in the small sample size we had, he, he held his own. And looking forward to 21-2022, just because, you know, I can do that for the sake of it. Uh, that's that's your replacement replacement level position on the blue line. The third pairing, where you kind of rotate things in and out because the cap and everything. So Tenorti did a solid job. He did what was expected of him. I don't know what people were seeing in him that they didn't like, other than well, it's not the guy at the other end of the rink. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what we'll the, probably get into. Yeah, uh, we we've been talking about it on here and a little bit on Twitter about you know even when Kevin Miller was struggling, maybe getting that left right going and having. Uh, Connor Clifton on that right side and getting Tenorti on the left side. Um, yeah, I think Kevin Miller's a better player than than Jared Tenorti, but he was struggling in this series. The reason why he's in the lineup. And, yeah, it's. A, I think Connor Clifton played really well in this series, and I think that that helps stabilize things. I think Connor Clifton might even be a better player than Kevin Miller. I just don't trust him as much. But also Kevin right. Miller did some things in this series to lose that level of trust that I had. So, um, And I feel like part of it is just certain portions of hockey fandom, not necessarily just related to the Bruins, but anyone on Hockey Twitter during this entire series, looking at things and going, well, it's not it's not Zidane Chara, you know? They could have had Chara. They could have had him on the third pairing. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, who cares? You can't really compare Miller or Tenorti or Clifton to a guy that's going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame probably the first time he's eligible to make it. Yeah. I, I understand Chara played third-pairing minutes for the Capitals, and he played basically every two minutes on the penalty kill for the Caps, but... <clears throat> You know, you're dealing with apples and oranges here, and at some point you do need to kind of move on and assess the talent that you have in front of you. That's fair. Which yeah, I mean, with with uh, brings up the discussion with Zaboral and all the other young defenders, but yeah, hey, that's not that's, relevant to the series. That's that's like a Lazan conversation more than anything else because right. he's he's the guy who is not in the lineup. That is the reason why Jared Tenorti's in the lineup. It's not. Uh, I guess more so why Connor Clifton's in the lineup, but it's not like if you had started the season with Zidane Chara, it would have been a third pairing of Chara and and Cliffy, and um, and Lausanne's just like magically not in the conversation there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I'd still think I, Kevin Miller, I have problems with. I have problems with giving him that much money. But over, it, it turned out not meaning anything. Um, he did a serviceable job. And, yeah, I, I mean, he played, like, half the season. That's fine, whatever. That's what you expect from him. Just there's no reason to give him that much money, but it didn't end up handicapping the Bruins in any way where 
um, they needed to f- figure out what they were doing with their money. They could still make the Taylor Hall stuff happen. Um, and with the extra rest, you hope that maybe you can kind of come back in time for round two or midway through the second round, something. Just, you know, not fully knowing what Ozan's injury is. We know it's upper body, maybe his hand. We don't know if it's, did he fracture the same hand that he fractured in the it was the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe. It was the other, was the other hand, hand, but it, yeah, he definitely got hit in the hand, and that kind of seems like the the thing that happened. And, and it seems to me that you know most hand injuries are generally a month long, at least. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, you want one of them to come back, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, this time off now is is great not only for the regular guys that might be a little bit banged up, but they won't admit it at this time of year. They get a couple extra days off. And then for, obviously, the ones that are injured. Sadly, that does not include Andre Kasha, because we know that he has been shut down for the season at this point. And he joins John Moore on the list of, hey, we'll catch you next year if you're under contract and all that. Yeah, I uh, read that news today and just kind of was like, uh, I mean, like, I, I felt like it was in the cards the whole time. You know what I mean? It was way too good to be true for him to be coming back for the playoffs and... Um, kind of like especially brutal how it happened and uh, I don't know it just sucks that it's like I really do think he was a guy that like I don't know not that depth scoring has been an issue I think that was actually a very strong point for the Bruins this season pretty much even scoring up and down the lineup uh, you know with the exception of the fourth line but they I think absolutely completed their roles especially in those those later two games yeah. Um, but you know, he is somebody that I really think has the skill set that could have really just boosted up that middle six and, um, you know, again, you just not that we need help, everything. but just solid, yeah, solidify a little bit and, and give Cassidy some more options, which maybe some Bruins fans won't like because they know that Cassidy likes to shuffle around the lineups too much and, or I should say a lot. And some people think that's too much. I don't know. I don't mind it. And once, you know, once in a while, um, it depends on the situation, I think, and you'll probably see. Uh, well, the, if the Bruins keep playing like they did the last two games, you probably won't see much of it, but that's going to happen in the playoffs when the, things aren't going well. The only thing you have to ask yourself when you're asking, like, is Andre Kasha going to help? Is is he better than your worst forward? And the answer is yes. Yeah. So, pretty when, yeah. when I think Andre Kasha, I think of, you know, obviously it's a cop, copycat league, and with the Tampa Bay Lightning being the defending Stanley Cup champions, I think about Blake Coleman and that both Kasha and Coleman have a lot of speed. To their game they might not be the guy that scores a goal every game they might not be the guy that you know does a whole lot compared to your top six forwards but they bring this speed and the necessary components to really make you have a well-rounded top nine forward and so right now there's a chance that we've seen it pretty much all season since he only played in three games someone has to step up and take on that role yeah i saw someone on twitter that mentioned uh, just kind of in the wake of the news like that <clears throat> regardless of what's happened so far that that trade was maybe the best of Don Sweeney's tenure um, giving up that first rounder and uh, Axel Anderson just like kind of a mediocre defensive prospect um, along with David Backus's contract to get Andre Kasha in return, like that's it lets you set yourself up to bring in Taylor Hall. That's pretty good. A year removed. I mean, that's pretty good value just on its face. Like you're you're giving up 
a first rounder and unloading a huge amount of a really bad contract and getting a pretty good player in return. Um, and I think, you know, having watched him, the uh, injury issues, like that's... But he's brought it upon himself. It could have been any player. Uh, well, I, right. I, I disagree. I think uh, he brings it upon himself in, in the way that he plays, where he's a, a little too aggressive at times and sometimes skates with his head down and definitely puts himself in positions to get injured more than, say, your average player. But, you know, I think a lot of it's also a little bit of freak accident kind of stuff. And I hope he either uh you know retires for his own safety or manages to come back in a safe way and uh has a longer career with not many injuries in the future and just you know it sucks to see a guy that especially i have like a pretty long history of watching uh, in san diego and got to enjoy him in person here especially when san diego was you know just bringing the team back and uh pretty exciting to have a guy like that who can light up the scoreboard and yeah i was really excited when he got traded to the bruins and it just kind of sucks just hope that uh whatever decision is made is in the best interest of his health beyond the game yeah i don't remember what exactly was said but i remember uh Cassidy saying something about it not being a head injury uh, this time around, so maybe it's the shoulder or whatever. I wasn't watching the game where he got hurt, but it's yeah. it's something upper body, but it's it's related to okay. Well, it's it's hard to come back from the conditioning that he had and didn't have all season long, given his first injury, and then the second injury only compounds on top of that, where it's like oh. This is, you know what, it might be in your best interest to do kind of like what the Tampa Bay Lightning did all season and with Nikita Kucherov or what the Dallas Stars did all season with Tyler Sagan and say, you need an extended break. That's fine. Fair enough. Uh, didn't know we were going to talk about Andre Kasha this much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish I'd brought my notes. That's all right. Um, let's shift it you, back You got the most important bit. notes of the, the eye test there, but anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's shift back a little bit to the actual uh, players who, I guess, are focused uh, in the series here. Uh, a couple things. Yeah, I a five-game touch on. series with the Caps. For starters, uh, Mike Riley. He signed him to generate points. He scores uh, two primary assists uh, on, I believe, both goals in the second period for the Bruins. I believe um, had the primaries for both of them. Sweeney obviously probably feeling pretty good about the trade deadline with with him and uh, and Taylor Hall and and Curtis's are looking good too, um, but that's that extra oomph that the Bruins D line has really needed pretty much all season and uh, to see it really pay off in an elimination game like that I think was a little something sweet uh, for the Bruins in a, a pretty comfortable five game series. Yeah, to be honest, we were all hoping for Hall to hit the empty net at the end of the game, right? Yeah, no, I was hoping for, hoping for Mike Riley. Um, or or yeah, for the for the hat trick. I, I need yeah. a Mike Riley goal like I need air. That dude, just like everything he does on the ice is fucking hilarious to me. And I I, I don't know how he would react if he scored a, a goal. I, I bet he'd probably be like Carl Soderberg and just not celebrate whatsoever. <laughs> like, oh, 
I, I didn't mean to do that. I, I, I had mean, it you in front rip of me. out a pack of cigs and start smoking them on the ice. Well, or so that like so I, I that was what I tweeted. I tweeted like I don't know what he would do. I, like, is he just gonna like pull out some cigs and start chain smoking? And I wish I had it in front of me. Someone replied like, Nah, he's just gonna like pull out a like a single beer out of like his back pocket or something and shotgun it <laughs> with a skate. Dude, yeah, that, that man's so Boston. He fucking sweats Dunkin' Donuts. It's like. Or Duncan, I guess. Coffee is just pure coming out of the vein. Like, so the fun- the funny thing is, like, he's from Chicago, so like that kind of tracks. Like he he, <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like works. he's from some city. Like, I grab a slice of deep dish. And... He dishes the puck to get a deep dish. Pizza. Well, he, he looks like he could yeah. be from like Pittsburgh, New York. Boston, Chicago. Like he, what you're saying is he's got cities. generic white dude face, which yeah, you know, well, he's, that's he's, fine. yeah, he's got like steelworker face. <laughs> that's got it for sure. We'll give him a new nickname, Steelworker. I mean, he looks like he um, could be an extra in in Goodwill Hunting. Like he could be one of the one of Matt Damon's. Maybe a main character, like Goodwill breaking, Hunting, breaking yeah. rocks and shit. A movie I have still yet to see. Oh Jesus, um, man! But anybody have any extended thoughts on on Riley in the series? Yeah, I got so many thoughts on Mike Riley in the series, man. Let's hear this him. is the notes that Start Chris prepared. <laughs> I I absolutely love this guy. I so aside from taking a couple of bad penalties, he had an unbelievable series. I think he plays pretty solid on the defensive end for a guy who's better known for his offensive skills. And you know, I think putting him with Brandon Carlo is such a good match because they both have kind of the same pace. Um, having Brandon Carlo who's such a stay at home guy when Mike Riley likes to do crazy shit like just kind of live below the end line for no reason whatsoever in the offensive zone um, dude almost scored a goal from below the end line at one point I think it was game three Um, I love that aggressiveness I mean we've seen it where he he fed pasta like it was like either his first or second game with the Bruins he fed pasta from below the end line for a goal and then he almost had one in the next game Um, yeah I mean I I love so that's the difference between him and a guy like Kevin Miller being able to like activate know when the right time to be aggressive and pinch and you know carry the puck um dude makes such quick snap decisions with the puck where um usually passing it to someone who's either open for a shot or has space to create and just has this incredible vision incredible ability to to make things happen on the ice even if he's not the the catalyst for all of it he's definitely always helping with everything in the offensive zone when he's there and i think he should be on the power play is it fair to say that Mike Riley is the best Bruin to wear number six since Ted Green? Chris, in your opinion, I mean, the that's is... some uh, Colin Miller erasure, but yeah. That's it's fine. You know. <laughs> no, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Riley is much guy better than Colin Miller. I mean, have you seen him in Buffalo lately? I'm, I did think that the Bruins should have kept Colin Miller over Kevin Miller, but. At the time, it would have yeah, been worth it. Yeah, I was big then. time on that train, yeah. I think we did our uh, like hockey <clears throat> roundtable on that. Yeah, I think uh, we were all team Colin there, but it's all right. Um, couple of things. Uh, 
David Pasternak. Wait, wait, we're done with Mike Riley back. talk. I thought everybody else was going <laughs> to oh, talk. Oh, well, about keep Mike going. Riley. You got more. Oh, well, no, I don't know. My two cents on Mike. Yeah, Riley. Well, I wanted. Right I wanted to hear Lancey on on Mike Riley. I wanted to hear Cam Hasbrook on Mike Riley. Well, you know, like when people are freaking out about Jared Zanordi in one game, his first game in however many weeks at this point. Yeah, there were a couple of times when it looked like, oh, that wasn't the smartest play you could have made there. But I don't expect someone from a second pairing to always make the smartest play. You know, if, if you're thinking nine times out of ten, you should do the right thing on the first pairing. I'm thinking seven to eight times out of ten. If you're the third defense, third defender, you should do the right thing. If you're the fourth defender... Still inside that top four, it's probably more like six to seven times out of ten, right? A little more leeway, but you're still on the second pairing. So the average there is, what, like a seven? Uh, So he looked fine. He looked great in the games that he really excelled in and the games where he might have been a bit more quiet. I I can't really complain about the pairings that Bruce Cassidy's come up with at this point. We know that Grizzlick and McAvoy have the chemistry going for themselves. And Riley and Carlo seems to work pretty well in that Carlo is more the shutdown guy anyway, and Riley is definitely a two-way guy, where he can step up and make a play, or he can get back. Not that he needs to get back that often, because Carlo's usually already there. <laughs> Car- Carlo plays, like, two feet behind the blue line. Exactly. <clears throat> so I thought his play was fine. Though. I really enjoy watching him. I hope, as he is a pending UFA at season's end, that they'll try to bring him back. I want him back for sure. Yeah, I I think it'd be crazy not to. Yeah. My my last word on Mike Riley is: imagine what the blue line would look like without him with the Lausanne injury. That's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, that'd be concerning and still a potential concern. I mean, we're you know what I mean. The Bruins made it through unscathed for the most part against Tom Wilson, I guess, with the exception of Kevin Miller. Um, so I guess not unscathed, but well, um, that was Dimitri Orlov, but. Yeah, NHL caliber is always better than not having any NHL caliber defenders to yeah. know, fill in the, the and, hole in the lineup. And, and you've said it on this podcast before, Lancey. Like that's where a guy like John Moore comes into play. Like that's a useful player. Right. Like in a pinch, he's ig- great. Ignore the ignore the contract. Like that was obviously a bad idea to sign him long term to that much money. But I still don't hate it. It's, admittedly, it's it's whatever. If you if you're like seventh eighth defenseman is. NHL caliber. That's good. And also shouts to depth. Stephen Camper, who is also out for the season. Yes, the short list of players we won't see again for 2021. Uh, Camper, Kasha, and more. Would love to see him get his name on the cup again. That would be tight. Uh, yeah. I think he actually got left out in 2011. The Bruins petitioned for Mark Savard and Stephen Kepfer. Oh, interesting. And only Savard got on there. I thought okay, I thought he, he yeah. was able to get on there, but No, I am pretty sure the league was like, You get a day with this thing, but you don't get your name on this thing. Your name will be on the t shirts though. Yeah, well, NHL notoriously <laughs> a bunch of assholes, so Well, there's only fifty two spots for the cup, so there there has to be something somewhere. I, I don't know how rude you want to be to the equipment managers. I don't know how rude you want to be By to the way, someone else that might have have you guys role. have you guys uh, had the Stanley Cup jinx on yourselves? Like, if you touch the cup and now know you're never going to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. I'm trying to think, did I touch it in 2014? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, but that was the first time I saw it, and then the second time I saw it, I didn't touch it. So, curse back off. 
as they say. Uh, yeah, they always say that. If the if you don't touch the cup the second time, you see it. The, the curse yeah. is off. As they say, the third time's a charm. When I win it, you know, I'll be able to raise it and be like, very, very excited for Lancey to be the one of the three of us who can win it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, are we ready to move on from Riley here? We're coming up on an hour, so I want to speed it up a little bit here. We could do a solid three hours on Mike Riley. I guess. I guess we can. It's not enough for now. We'll we'll circle back. We know he's going to have a big impact going forward. Um. Speaking of people who hopefully will have a big impact going forward, David Posternock finally getting a uh, a David Posternock like goal. Yes, it was largely because Nick Jensen was like tripping on LSD or something in front of the net. I don't know <laughs> what the like, fuck what he was doing. Do? That's like one of those goals where like I I honestly felt bad for the man because I just imagined being the defenseman skating back to my bench after that and like my coach just like skewering me like that would be fuck. what the fuck was that i don't feel bad for him at all he got to stand there and watch david postenock score that's the best fair goal yeah the, the best in the house so for it. yeah well i think i think maybe taylor hall's goal was better than that but yeah. the i can't remember if it was hal gill or someone of his caliber that and that's not a shot at hal gill but someone that you know played defense like 10 years ago and watch someone do something similar to Pasternak's goal the other day. And they just were like, yeah, you know, it sucked to be a minus one on that. But that was incredible. <laughs> they, they said something along the lines of just that. And I was like, that's hilarious. I love defenders. Yeah, I mean, Nick, Nick Jensen got the best view of that goal that anybody in the world had. There's no camera angle that had that. Nick Jensen got to watch that beautiful goal happen. So I don't feel bad for him at all. And I think yeah, I'm sure he's very he, thankful, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guy with the second best view was uh, Sam Sonoff. Sam Sonoff, yeah. I was going to say, this is maybe the only other argument. I don't know. I think he was like looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can see it out of the that side of your mask. Yeah, he got peripheral real vision. Uh, he was probably also wondering what the fuck Jensen was doing at the time. But uh, regardless, nice to see Pasternak score a, a goal that felt like superstar material, uh, even if it was largely because of a defensive lapse. Uh, Should hopefully we talk that's about how scary of, that is? I don't is? think he played the what? That he's feeling himself? Oh, yeah, no, he's feeling himself like he shouldn't be. Like, he's close to catching a charge, and he's doing it in places he shouldn't be. Like, I mean, with how deep the Bruins scoring has been, I, mean, I feel like a lot of people were really hard on him. I don't think he looked terrible this series. Um, but I do understand, I think there's a fair argument to be made that he hasn't necessarily, like, shown in the playoffs too much in his career. Yeah. It was five games, and he played great in two of them. And at at the time and that people were I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think been, more from, like, leading the team in points. Like, yeah, I don't think he's been bad, but he hasn't, you know, you, you want to see a little more flashiness. Um, and he's started to see, you know, we've gotten that this well, there you go. People are stupid. He's over then, yeah, a but... point per game in the playoffs in his career. I think that's also kind of... It's it's the Joe Thornton factor, which drives me insane, because I was at the game when Pasta had six points against the Leafs in 2018. Pretty but it hasn't been done since, oh yeah, some guy named Phil Esposito? Never heard of him. You know, just something that's noteworthy, I guess, if you're calling yourself a Bruins fan, and that's not to gatekeep or anything, that's just, you know... You should probably know and recognize when there's superstardom versus, like, yeah, Joe Thornton's a star. Oh, we're talking about Tampa Bay Lightning forward uh, Philip Esposito. 
I love how they have a statue of him outside of Amelie Arena because, you know, dealing with becoming the owner and everything. But it's just, it's one of those things that 50 years from now, when the Lightning grow up a bit so, more, uh, New York and everyone's Rangers like, remember this guy? Esposito, yeah. I just love sports statues for how, you know, sometimes we have something that's like, yeah, this makes sense. Bill Russell needs a statue in Boston. He's got one. Cool. And then you have one where it's like, this moment? <laughs> this thing it's like the strangest thing ultimately it's from a game this is all meaningless but at the same time like yeah it brings people joy cool here's a statue for it i like the bobby Orr statue ted williams statue stop, great one stop talking shit about it I, I wasn't talking about that but uh you know no it kind of sounds kind of sounds like you were talking about the bobby Orr statue i you know. No, no, I love the Bobby Orr statue. Ooh, I'd like man, to why are you talking shit about the David Ortiz statue? Right now, for real? Oh, oh, you mean crazy. there isn't one yet? Wow. <laughs> just, now that's the Lan- one I Lansing have issues fucking with. Hates <laughs> oh, man. Statues and sculptures, Lansing's so again. Oh, man, the thinker. You know, I just can't make 3D art myself, so... Technically, any art you make is three-dimensional. Unless I think it... Kind what about of. non-fungible tokens? Kind of. The, the objects themselves that you put the brush, the canvas on. Yeah. <laughs> Bruise and Bruins and NFTs coming soon. You heard it here first. One more thing well, I wanted to discuss. I kind of forgot that Nick Backstrom played for the Capitals. Uh, maybe that was just because I had the uh, sound off that much, but I feel like he, uh, not literally forgot, but like I feel like he had a really quiet series, which I think was a testament to the team defense the Bruins played. And in that sense, where's this Alex Ovechkin guy? Yeah. Sure, he had two goals. One of them was a deflection. The other one was another deflection. Hmm. So I think the funny thing about Nick Backstrom for me is I think he's he's also kind of been long underrated in, in maybe not the same way that David Krejci is because David Krejci kind of got relegated to the second line or whatever and that's kind of happened later in in Nick Backstrom's career because he was always you know Ovi's center for a while and now it's uh, more Kuznetsov but um, I think very similar type of player distributor first um, and for Backstrom his kind of like overrated tag came with like oh yeah he gets to play with like the greatest scorer of all time so of course he's going to pick up a bunch of assists but yeah, I feel like not enough credit goes to the person who is threading those passes, who is putting it right in this guy's wheelhouse. And, you know, if Ovi gets saddled with a center who's nowhere near as accomplished or as skilled as, as Nick Backstrom, maybe his career doesn't look quite as shiny as it does. Obviously, that's that guy's going to succeed no matter what, but... You know, but pairing him up with he's been around a long enough. Really fucking good center for a really long time definitely has to help. Um, for the children that listen to this podcast and are trying to learn how to be a better player, model yourself after David Krejci. Yeah, and and I I kind of feel like those two players are similar players, and um, so I I hold some high regard in my heart for Nick Backstrom, but. Yeah, I didn't think he was especially great in this series. I don't know how much of a non-factor I'd say he was, but I would very much just say that, you know, past Washington's first line, who had the best performance? Was it Garnet Hathaway? Maybe. Nick Dowd? I think there's, 
There's Nick Dowd. There's an argument to make between the two of those players who was better than Ovechkin at times. Did you guys see how the game ended? What are we doing, Cam? Oh, God. Tristan Jari fucked up real bad. I have not seen how. In double overtime. Any of the games. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. He skated out of his net, passed it directly to an Islander, and could not get back in time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, so you're, what you're saying is he pulled an Ilya Samsonov? No, not even that. He just passed the puck directly to the blue line. Oh, so what you're saying is he was like Ben Roethlisberger? That is exactly what it was like. Yeah, it, I mean it was pick six all the way. There. Sure. Here, let's uh, do some fair use. Yikes. Yeah, that's uh, steel. Uh, steel is giving that a little too much credit. Tristan Jari just kind of passed the not puck to right foreshadow there. too much. <laughs> Tristan uh, Jari, who do you want to face in the second round? This, this is something I. New York. This, this is something I did. Uh, this is something I did want to talk about because we had we had done it before on the podcast, maybe twice, kind of talking about you know who who you want to face in in the playoffs, and it was before you know the first round matchups came out. Um, and I think generally we didn't want to face the Caps. Um, How'd that turn out? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I guess that worked out okay. Um, I think generally on the podcast, our consensus was the team we wanted to play against the least was the Islanders. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm on the fence. Had had some good, uh had some good points made in the other direction where the Bruins get home ice if they play against the Islanders versus, you know, playing against the Penguins, they don't get it. Which um, does start to become more of a factor in the second yeah, round, once, given that May 29th. Once fans at, are back, or that, near full that does mean something. But yeah, I, I wasn't considering that earlier on. Um, you know, last change is, is something, but it's not a huge deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... And it's not like the Penguins are pushovers or anything like that. I, I just, I, you know, in the playoffs, their goaltending's like Washington, though. Yeah. So in the playoffs, goaltending scares me a lot, and I think Sorokin is the type of goaltender I wouldn't necessarily want to face right now. And don't let him get hot. Yeah, and I know that they've been kind of cycling through the goaltenders, trying to find the right guy but looked like Sorokin played really well tonight and they've landed on it it's, and it's Sorokin's and it kind of feels like he's the guy going forward whereas you know in Pittsburgh Tristan Jari is the guy but man he's had a couple of really rough games this series and I, I think that's something you can exploit and I don't know what the Penguins really have on the back end like they have some, they have a couple of really good players but I, that doesn't strike me as a great two-way team um, where I, I think the Bruins, as long as that penalty kill uh, can can keep that that power play, which is obviously going to be the most dangerous part of that team, um, can keep them under wraps. And, and the Bruins' penalty kill has been really good. Even, even against Ovi, uh, did a really good job. Um, whereas playing against the Islanders... 
you know that team's going to be solid defensively and you get yourself into much more of like a weird 50-50 matchup where uh, a, a one bounce could decide the game and that's not something I'm comfortable with. I'd rather get into a shootout with the Penguins, I think. And uh, early scouting report on Sorokin. Kind of like Jordan Bennington, that blocker side, you can exploit it. You just have to elevate every puck in that case. But, you know, that's that's what I see that Sorokin needs to work on a bit more. And that's kind of typical of most young goaltenders, that, to my knowledge, where it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they're great with the pad, they're great with everything down, but once he gets a little bit up there, blocker side's always tricky. I mean, I think you might think you got this giant rectangle. You can stop anything with it. Eh, I think I you can say the same thing about yeah. glove side with most, most goalies too. just elevate the puck True. on the glove side. And guys like Halak got absolutely exploited last year in the bubble. That said, as someone that played goalie, it was always easier for me to kind of track something with my glove than it was to track with my blocker. Cause with the glove, it's like playing baseball. Yeah. You're just trying to catch something with the blocker. It's, it's different. Probably, it just feels problem with the different glove, in every sense. though, is like first reaction is to drop it. So if it is up high, <laughs> the, the drop before you come back up. Yeah, then that's the windmill. That's why you get the windmill. Is you're dropping it and then coming back up. And if it's you know sh- shorter shots, like from the slot, you're you're getting that reaction. And but that's why you know blockers are bigger, doing the crazy training thing. that they do with the tennis ball. Yeah. <laughs> in the hallway. They're working on that glove hand. And they might not be able to do so much with the blocker because it's like, hey, not everyone could be too harassed against the Buffalo Sabres and catch the puck with the blocker facing, you know, the opposite way. <laughs> someone someone send Kat the link and see if uh see if she's available. <laughs> right. And and you know, with with Pittsburgh's goaltending, we we've kind of just established at this point that Tristan Jari is like Marc Andre Fleury after two thousand nine, but before twenty eighteen with Vegas where he let in some goals that you go, how did you do that? You are the starter on an NHL team. Or and we've he... seen that, that you can play at such an exceptional level. And then that one, that's you... the one you give up. We sure it's not <laughs> Matt Murray. Right? Ah, oh, Matt Murray. Cam, who would you rather play? Stuff. I think a week ago was pretty obviously... I would say that. I think I was leaning fairly toward the Islanders. Um, I don't know. I I, I have a mag- I, I have a hard time going to seeing a scenario time. where even with some of the firepower that the Penguins have, they outscore the way the Bruins are outputting right now against Tristan Jari. I mean, and you know, not the. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense plays a role there. I don't think it's any exceptional. Pittsburgh can score. That's you know what I mean. That's their biggest threat. I think is that they are a deep team. They've got good offense, but with the way the defense has looked pretty strong so far, Rask is locked in, and I just have a very hard time believing that Tristan Jar is going to be able to put up a fight, even a game if the Bruins have a tough night on defense and score or give up three or four. I think they're capable of putting up five or six. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeremy scored three on the wing. <laughs> Um, so I really I think, sway the I series think, in his favor. I would Ooh. rather maybe, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't really care too much. I think, I think I will say this no matter what, I think the Bruins, uh, any kind of loss next, next series is disappointment. I think, I think the Capitals are the team that scared me the most out of this division. Yep. I think if they fall to either of these teams in the next round, not to write them off, it's not going to be easy necessarily, 
but I think if you don't see this team in that final four, you're you're pretty disappointed. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, I think the the Bruins beat the Penguins sixty times out of a hundred, and they beat the Islanders fifty five times out of a hundred. That's that's my preference. Like that's as everyone keeps saying. Oh, but they beat them in the last three games that they played in the regular season. This is true, but how about the first five? You know, like that's you still have a bit of an issue going up against the Islanders than you do going up against the Penguins, where, yeah, Crosby's always going to be Crosby. But if you can shut down Crosby or Much Malkin, like you, just shut you down basically OB shut down half the Pittsburgh offense. Off. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's where a first pairing of Grizzly and McAvoy come into play uh, against either of those teams. I think they, they match up really well. Um, right. And that said... I want to believe that Pittsburgh can beat the Islanders. I picked them in six, but I acknowledge that in all-time postseason series, is New York has the advantage four-one over Pittsburgh. Also, I kind there's of, a very real chance that the Islanders end this in six games. Now, I also kind of just want the Islanders uh, to <laughs> win. I have a lot of so friends who are our Islanders fans, for... so that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. My my best friend's wife is there you a go, just have her on. Best man. friend's wife. Her on the say her name. Just Chris's best friend's wife. I knew someone Shout in college. Her, her, name's, her name's Liz. Liz wants to come on. She's more than welcome. I love Liz. My, <laughs> best, friend friend my best friend is not like Liz. It's not going. It's like whoa. <laughs> I mean, also true. Oh. There you go. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing they don't listen to the podcast then, because you called them out. Definitely did that. Yeah. So I was. So he he calls me after. Yeah, we, we're we're gonna keep going on this. Uh, he he he'll call me after every like Bruins playoff game, and um, we we talk during football season. Like we'll talk every Sunday, and we don't really have a reason to talk other otherwise. Um, so during hockey playoffs, he'll call me after every Bruins game, and this past game. He called me and he was like walking to a bar for the first, like he hadn't been to a bar in a year and a half or whatever. And uh, he was like just kind of walking around. It was his, it was his birthday. Shouts shouts to Woody, happy birthday. Um, he was kind of walking around trying to find a bar, and uh, he was like, "Oh man, can I put you on hold real quick? Uh, I, my wife's calling right now." And like, actually, I'm gonna merge the calls. And he just <laughs> he, he put me on the phone, <laughs> and she goes, "Nate, where did you go?" He was like, I, I'm like walking into town. I'm like looking at bars, and she's like, "You said you were gonna take out the trash." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, no!" Like I said, I would take it out when out. I got home. <laughs> that is not what you said. It was a very much like a dad went out for cigarettes kind of moment. I hope he uh, he still has. He said, "Wife." Hopefully, his wife is still his wife for his sake. <laughs> Yeah, shouts to shouts to me <laughs> so holding that together, you know, giving a, a really great best man nice. speech. Yeah, it's just the shit 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 mediation. It wouldn't Chris have happened if it wasn't for me. It's good. Thanks. Much appreciated. Um, the only thing I can relate to that is when I would go to Taco Bell with my roommate because he was like, "Ah, my girlfriend <laughs> doesn't want me to eat this, but she's not around right now. We're going to Taco Bell." <laughs> 
Speaking of Taco Bell, on the uh, the night before Woody's wedding, uh, we all got really drunk in the hotel bar, obviously, um, and he had to like be home to get ready for the wedding the next morning, and no one was sober enough to drive him, so I put him in an Uber gave the uber driver an extra 20 bucks and said just like drive past the nearest taco bell grab whatever he wants that's a good friend right there keep the rest till he orders 60 dollars taco bell and it's on the tank (laughs) that's a shitty i guess so or a shitty uh uber orderer oh that's some good stuff wedding advice kids no kids should be listening to this podcast yeah oh uh at alex voyeur asks will you be eating a bowl of rigatoni pasta tonight um i probably won't i don't know anybody have plans to eat some rigatoni or shouts to Sh- spaghetti Sinead, uh yeah i i looked in my cabinet to see if i had any uh if i had any rigatoni pasta and i didn't so i will not be eating rig- rigatoni pasta tonight in terms of pasta shapes i'm more of a spaghetti penne all good, and all good options sometimes bow ties yeah, I'm, occasionally I'm, shells. I'm a big spaghetti guy. I I also like you know linguine, fettuccine. I like some of the thicker pastas. Um, yeah, I like some of the I like some of the weird ones like uh, like uh, ditalini and stuff. Yeah, like di- oh, di- I do love like cavatappi. Good, like goes really cavatappi well with a red sauce, yeah, or a vodka cavat- sauce. Cavatelli. There you go. Tagliatelle. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. it. <laughs> Rick Tony, uh, Rijack. My guy asking, very on brand. There you go. He uh, followed me today, by the way. (laughs) Would you wear clown shoes for the rest of your life for a billion dollars? I actually am a little concerned because I I was just bowling alley before this, and I was naming our. You know how you got to throw it up on the little screen, so I was naming everybody based on what they wore, and my shoes were a little too big, so I named myself clown shoes. Um, and I'm a little concerned that Ryan is stalking me or just has access to my camera or microphone at all points or something like that. So, Ryan, you're listening. Nice. Does he work for Apple? For the record, I wear like a size 12 shoe, so I'd have no problem wearing clown shoes all the time. He's already wearing clown shoes. Um, yeah, so here's the thing. I would, um, first try to negotiate down, I would say... A billion dollars is a, an absurd, unnecessary amount of money. That's fair. Um, I like you, obviously you could spend a billion dollars, like if you needed to, like you could buy sports teams or whatever. Um, but but other than that, like there's no reason you need a billion dollars. So I try to negotiate it down to like somewhere between a million and a hundred million, and see if they would allow me to take off the clown shoes when I'm like alone in my home or like going, when to, you're going sleep. to bed. Yeah. yeah like to the, those are the main things. Like I don't want to have to wear clown shoes when I'm sleeping. Um, uh, and if not, I honestly probably no. I, I would probably say not worth the level of depression. Showering and like you could get some nasty fungus. I imagine. Yeah, it's just like wet clown shoes all the time. Like, clown imagine shoes swimming around. in the ocean. Going to the driving beach. would be a it's huge pain in the ass. Do. You couldn't drive anywhere. Hot, you mean hot you don't already wear those? Yeah, those like you probably die really young you because you can't yeah. drive. Well, well, what if you, if you want, want to? You know, I mean, you're never driving. You can't really <laughs> exercise ever. Never playing hockey. Yeah, I like, I like going for. A and aside, 
I was thinking about that just last night when I was going to bed. Like, if you had all that money, how happy are you in your day-to-day life? Like, what is your day-to-day life like? Do you, you just can't. Go do a normal thing? You can't thing? do that. You have clown do shoes. You just be like, I'm going a normal life. You diving normal off of this thing. We're getting right? real hits bomb. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I was shifting the topic slightly, but anyway. Yeah, that's a big, like, lottery. That's why I think about it at 3 in the morning sometimes, and that develops into, uh, thing. I should go to bed. Um, exactly. And they can't buy you love. They can't buy happiness. That's all. Uh, Isha, Isha coming in. Can't buy me. Isha asked if you could ride with Chuck fans and not be (laughs) PB White by RCMP after. Which year would you participate? The 1994 riot or the 2011 riot, and why? Isha says. Parentheses. This is important. It's so easy. This is it's so, so easy. easy. Yeah, it's not even a question. It's the 2011 riot, and because I want to, I want to drink those sweet, sweet Canuck fan tears. <laughs> also, because Chris would be the only person alive in '94. Like I was negative one then, so <laughs> I, mean, I have I, to go I 2011 also, by not, default. I'm, I'm going to be on top of cars <laughs> that are on fire with my Bruins jersey, temper tantrums, like, you know, flipping everybody off or something like that. It's gonna be great. We get pull an Andrew Ferentz. Yeah, so, so sorry, Isha. Like, it's a good, it's a good question. Like, if if we there were other it. stipulations and whatnot, I'm sure there would be some other considerations. Like, if we, if or if we, we had could to be beaten by RCMP, like, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I love being I just I love say that. Yeah, you just like throw some oats like at him and they'll get distracted or something like that from the horses. <laughs> <laughs> If you just uh, say I'm Lance, sorry, I assume you're off to go in 2011 unless you want to surprise us with the 94. It, theoretically, you know. Absolutely. Well, I mean, since I'd be negative one, I could get away with anything. Uh, I'm going to go with 2011 because, you know, I just, I've heard of stories both immediately after the game and then also of stories immediately after the game getting out of the arena and everything from my old job and stuff, which sounds like fun i would love to experience that not not so much the people destroying their own city yeah especially over time. a hockey game i feel like there are like legitimate <clears throat> things that have uh caused riots that was like yeah that's understandable yeah. Uh, a hockey game right. maybe not so much it's like i understand the pain that the canucks and sabers have gone through coming into night into league in 1970 and never doing anything for that matter but hey the Blues could win one time. Uh, yeah. Surely you guys can too. Uh, all right, final question coming in from the one and only Doob Schmoob, Drew Johnson, with a fresh graduation pick with some oversized sunglasses. Dude. He says, if you could live rent-free in someone's head, who would it be and why? I already live rent-free, uh, utilities included, in my former D partner slash college roommate's head. Um, but I guess if I could tack one on there... I don't know who I want to. I mean, I think we as a podcast live collectively in Joe Haggerty's head rent free, but I don't know <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> I went, I went real, uh, you know, utilitarian here. Um, There's a know, word I learned in college. You gotta, you gotta find ethics class a place where you know there's gonna be ample space and kind of like an empty place for. You know, if you need to decorate and whatnot. So I went with uh, Radko Gudis. 
So a very big head to live rent free. Decorated. I thought, man, I wasn't, I wasn't sure going like for literal size or like just empty brains that you can move into and, and establish your own. But yeah, you really want for the, the kicker. Yeah, both. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Literally, literally both. I I think both of those things exist in Radko Kudis's head. Uh, no offense, to him <laughs> I, he could eat me, but. Well, I don't think he's a cannibal last I checked, but... <laughs> I just said uh, could he would. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, this is hard for me to decide, because, you know, I I imagine that whenever anyone's like, rent-free, they're just describing a chance when they're like, oh, you hate that person or that person hates you. Yeah, it's a really bad thing. <clears throat> right. And I don't really hate anyone and I, last I checked, people don't hate me. I'm only blocked by like two or three people on Twitter that I know of. Just, and, just uh, Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> no, he has never blocked me. I'm on Dougie's good You're side. You're too nice to which, Dougie. Well, so I did win Sweetest in high school as a senior superlative, <laughs> which I had no idea about until like the last day of school. And someone said, hey, you won Sweetest. And I was like, what? So That tracks. Dougie, anytime you want to hang out. Nick Lance. Confirmed sweet boy. Or if, if you want to just stay away from each other and you do your own thing, that's totally fine. Sweet boy Nick Lancey over here. Um, I I don't know. I guess... Okay, when you're releasing... Oh, yeah, it's going to be featuring sweet boy Nick Lancey. I was already thinking about the, that. Yeah, in the meta sweet thing boy. <laughs> If I had to think of a moment in my life where I was like, I would rather not go through that, tomorrow with 10 it would probably be October 27, 2007, when Randy Jones hit Patrice Bergeron from behind and gave him a severe concussion, grade three at the time. That's what they referred to it as. And broke his nose. So I guess I'd live rent free in Randy Jones's head. Though his NHL career didn't last much longer thereafter. And I wouldn't want to be that mean to someone. But um, hi, Randy. How's it going? All right. Nice. Nice. Um, do you have a. Uh, do you have anything to sing out to? Anybody got any ideas? Like, that's all our questions. Chris, do you believe in oh, magic man. in a young girl's heart? In magic. Do you in believe in magic song. in a young girl's heart? So. I need more beer. <laughs> magic, magic, magic.